1: Leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international, and like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. All right, we're here in studio right now. A friend of mine who I've known for a bit, uh, district attorney for Etowah County, uh, Jody Willoughby, uh, been in office now. We were just kind of reminiscing seven years. That's right. Uh, seven years. Uh, I was proud to be there as a state senator, you know, nominating you to fill the role of the previous DA who had passed away. Yes. And uh, then you've won your election outright in 2018. And That's right. Apparently the people want to keep you around a little while longer. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Well, you, you got a great track record going uh, in Etowah. But um, but listen, I I, I I wanted to get you in here to talk mm-hmm. about a couple things. Um, you know, there's always this notion that you don't want to go home from Montgomery and be the guy who was soft on crime. And I, and I told the story earlier in the, in the, the show of uh, former Chief Justice Sue Bell Cobb getting in my face and wanting to know, what are you going to do about overcrowded prisons? And I said, what are you going to do about explaining to my constituents if I'm soft on crime and let everybody go, right. um, which she didn't appreciate. And luckily, she wasn't around much longer. Uh, but, uh, but listen, so we've got Anaya's law on the front end, which is new. Yes. Uh, what, about a year old?
0: Yeah, I believe it was a uh, 2021 act, but went into effect November of 22.
1: I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, so let's talk about that one first. Mm-hmm. Y- you guys prosecute crime on a regular basis. That's correct. correct. Um, how has Anaya's law come into effect, and have you even had it in your courtroom yet?
0: Yes. Um, you know, the only non-bailable offense prior to Anaya's law in Alabama was capital murder. Uh, yet we had... You know, the, the list of 11 or 10 other cases, murder, kidnapping one, rape one, sexual torture, human trafficking first, burglary first, arson first, robbery first, terrorism, and aggravated child abuse. And those cases were coming across our desk weekly. And it put us in a real bad situation where there wasn't a no bond option. Mm. And you're you're having to argue a high bond, which then the defense attorney is going to come in and automatically say it's unconstitutional. Yeah, uh, but you know we're there for public safety, and and that's first and foremost. Um, but yes, it has been implemented, and there there is still a mechanism though for the defendant to have a pretrial detention hearing when a no bond is put in place. So,
1: so do you have to request the no bond? Is that the way it works, or does the judge has total discretion on their own?
0: Our our particular jurisdiction has done an administrative order, uh, basically amending the bail schedule okay. for the crimes enumerated
1: in an nice law. Well, that I mean, is, that, is it effective? Do you find that being something that's worthwhile? Is it? Has it been good it's for your huge. office? Okay. It's
0: huge because uh, one of the most paramount things just within the first you know seventy two hours to a week of, of of this investigation and arrest is is you know where's this person going to be yeah you know are they a danger to to those around them are they a danger back in the home you know things of that nature and it takes a little time to sort some of that out uh but you know the pre-trial detention was 72 hours so that's how long we have to to figure that out and and ensure that public safety is number one
1: well and and i guess the reality is too uh i remember when i went to law school thinking the wheels of justice <laughs> turn quickly and efficiently they don't always <laughs> go quickly at the very least and uh and and you don't want someone skipping bail. Next thing you know, you can't find them anywhere. Much less, you know, like the next day. About about a year from now, when they go to trial,
0: that's a huge fear of yeah. us. Um, um, so having it, you know, we we do have some options. You know, we do have a local uh, community corrections who supervises a lot of our bond cases. Um, not just like a pretrial um, diversion or something like that. Actual folks who have made bond, even on a violent offense, uh, supervising them so that we're keeping a tab on them the best we can.
1: So you guys get through, you know, your role as prosecutor, you you see someone convicted sentencing occurs and they're, they're gone. And they're, and they're, they're off to jail for whatever that period of time is going to be after sentencing has has been set down. Um, and then now we have legislation that also allows them to potentially get out early with an ankle monitor. What What are your thoughts?
0: Um, I think it's hard to talk about that without backing up a few years. Okay. Um, if we go back to October 1, 2013, with the implementation of sentencing guidelines, Yeah, um, I was looking back through the sentencing manual, and that went into effect, again, October 1, 2013, which provided, it's called presumptive guidelines. Right. Presumptive could be replaced with mandatory on certain property and drug offenses. But I was looking through the purpose of, the Alabama Sentencing Commission and the guidelines and highlighted a few uh, to prevent pr- prison overcrowding, provide judges with flexibility in sentencing options, limit, dis- limit discretion of the district attorneys in determining the charge or crime, hmm. um, in fulfilling the purpose the commission shall be mindful of the purposes of sentencing they include protecting the public, promoting respect for the law, providing just and adequate punishment for the offense, and deterring criminal conduct. So while there were many DAs who were in opposition to the sentencing guidelines in twenty thirteen, they set out and have been doing the very thing that we're attempting to say we're doing in Act twenty twenty one, which we you were just discussing. Right. And I, if I remember correctly, some of the statistics that came out right after uh, within 12 months or so of the implementation of the sentencing guidelines was a 25% reduction in prison population. Yeah. yeah, And so prison overcrowding is all I've heard since I came into office. Yeah. But yet we've shut down prisons. They keep getting smaller and smaller as to where those persons are. Um, so overcrowding is is tough for me to swallow when that's not really my job. My job is to not concern myself with overcrowding, but yet we've, we've put these things in place, uh, allegedly to prevent overcrowding, but yet we keep legislating
1: it. So how did 2021 go? What, what, what did that actually do to the sentencing that y'all have put? I mean, you guys have got a conviction. Mm-hmm. You've got offender X who's convicted mm-hmm. of, I don't know, murder, mm-hmm. rape, whatever the case may be, because it's violent criminals that are also being allowed out under the 2021 legislation. What is it actually doing? That that you, you were I mean is it is it literally it's a mandatory release by a certain period of time it's is mandatory. what mandatory
0: that that's that's what's so puzzling about it. So I your mean, presu-
1: presumptive guidelines on the front end for sentencing, but now you have presumptive reduction, is what it looks like.
0: That's it. That's yes, you can insert that word for mandatory because they did it in 2013. Um, but what it's what it's doing, the, you know, any allegation that that this is going to allow us to n- not allow an offender to EOS which is an end of sentence in prison right. but let's let's watch them for a 10 to 12 month period that that's just uh, who does the watching supposedly an ankle monitor and and pardons and paroles i don't know they have to which, get there they which, have
1: to get on a bus and get there which pardons and paroles always talks about how they're understaffed and un- incapable of having right, have have a
0: phenomenal pardons and paroles I, I i trust them implicitly but how can they just take all of these people who why don't we just monitor them for the next 10 to 12 months in their sentence to finish their sentence, I'd rather them be monitored inside the walls of DOC yeah. where they belong and where they were supposed to be rather than putting them out in the public and, and possibly having a public safety issue.
1: So a whole piece of this that happened in the last 10 days was Attorney General Steve Marshall. That's right. Uh, head prosecutor for the state of Alabama. That's right. He filed suit against the Bureau of Pardons and Paroles because this was underway. And actually, actually he like actually ADOC and Pardons mm-hmm. and Paroles. He filed suit, which is basically it was a suit for injunctive, you know, some, to, to, trying to get them to enjoin the actions of releasing these prisoners because he said that part of the legislation required victim notification, and that was not happening.
0: It does. Um, Subsection three c. Prior to defendant's release to supervision, notice of the release shall be provided by the department to the
1: victim. Boomer, has anybody else ever come to our show with notes like this?
0: Uh, no, this, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm like, wow! wow. But he it's to it. the victim and interested parties through the victim. Yeah, and and so that was the whole point of General Marshall's uh, TRO. Yeah. was that hey, you know, the very legislation you have, you're not even following it. Um, but there's notice provisions. There's been notice provisions in the law under victims' rights laws yeah. for decades. And and I remember f-
1: working with vocal when I was down in Montgomery before. Absolutely. Great organization. Absolutely.
0: It, it it feels it has the feel that victims' rights continue to be eroded, maybe unintended, eroded over the years, at least since I've been
1: in office. All right. So with about a minute before we go to the break, mm-hmm. um, it, it, is this is this twenty twenty one legislation, is it hurting or helping in the in the overall capacity of of, of, of making streets safer?
0: Hurting. We we can we have a hard enough time telling victims when someone may be out on the street again because you have good time yeah. incentives. You know, certain classifications of offenders can get seventy five days credit for every thirty days they're incarcerated. Yeah. So that end of, that that sentence is not the real sentence anyway. So it's ten to twelve
1: months of the minimum release date,
0: not the actual year of the sentence.
1: All right. I'll tell you what. Let's take a break right now. Boomer, we'll do that right now. It is uh, right at 16 after the hour. We'll take this first break. Come right back. Sitting in here with a guy who studied up for the interview, apparently. uh, District Attorney from Etowah County, Jody Willoughby. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will be right back. We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid conservative, just plain right. Saving the world one soundbite at a time. Well, here we are back in studio. District Attorney from Etowah County, Jody Willoughby. Appreciate you being here today. Thanks man. for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, as we're talking through this stuff, I got to ask you. And um, so, one of your, I was going to say, brethren, sister, Uh, In a neighboring county, uh, District Attorney Pam Casey, she she had herself a moment with all of this. She did. uh, And that was related to an inmate being released back into her jurisdiction and didn't have the ankle monitor he was supposed to have. And he was a violent offender. I want to say he was a murderer. but um, He was. uh, And so she got that corrected. Are you seeing in your jurisdiction here in Etowah County, uh, are you seeing any of these releases coming back our way?
0: Uh, Yes. We had, I believe, 17 total uh, set for release and I know that I had one sodomy rape. Um, we had some burglary uh, which you know would be entering someone's home yeah, which is hugely detrimental to the victim. Yeah I never forget that yeah. um, and a DV strangulation. Um, robbery one, which would have been an armed robbery. So we had multiple violent offenses. The others were property and drug-related crimes. But I do want to point out, I know one of the parties on here very well, and his conviction was for unlawful distribution of controlled substances. One issue we have in, in, our, in our Code of Alabama is the violent crimes are, are listed out in, in multiple sections of the code. So you may find them in 122532. You may find them in 15 uh 188. But when we talk about crimes of violence, unlawful distribution of controlled substance is also a crime of violence hmm. under uh, 13A1170. And the legislature saw fit to make that person a violent offender so that they couldn't possess a firearm. Hmm. Right. So hmm. if they're if they feel that confident about the violent crime label, then let's get it all together and not leave it piecemeal throughout the code. I think it's got to be cleaned up.
1: Well, that's, that's an interesting point. So let's, let's talk about that for a second in the few minutes we got left together here. So, um, I remember you coming down there and speaking at a Judiciary Committee uh, when I was it. in the Senate, and um, and and you guys have an active role. I mean, and I've had Barry Matson from the DAs Association on this show to talk about fentanyl and other stuff like that right. before. Uh, you guys have a, a great association yes. that's 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 it's not one of those that people are like, oh crap, here they come. <laughs> it's one of the associations that you kind of want to be aligned with, and yes. so as you guys are helping the processes of legislative action in Montgomery. Is there a wish list right now? Or are the things like with what we're talking about here, what would you want to see happen in the upcoming legislative session if possible?
0: I would love to see the prison reform bill from 2015-2016 repealed. I'd love to see this Act 2021-549 on the early release, mandatory release, repealed. Um, I would love to remove the presumptive language on guidelines. Hmm. I would love to see them all be voluntary guidelines, meaning I think the best people to assess The offender's possible adjudication in their sentence are the very people that are right here in this jurisdiction handling the cases, and that's the DAs who may have to work out plea agreements or the judges who may have to sentence, either whether it be after a trial or not pursuant to a plea agreement. It could be a blind plea where a defendant just enters a, a plea, and rather than being bound when they know that there is a history with this defendant, allow the flexibility in determining what a Senate should be.
1: All right. Uh, Well put. Now, um, right now we're still looking at prison overcrowding. There's that phrase you love. Hmm. But they're talking about building the new prison system. I mean, the the entire new super prisons are, are, I don't know where we are in that process, and I need to find out. But have you heard any updates on that? What, What are we looking at in that regard?
0: I have not. I don't have any time frames. I mean, the bill that we're speaking about now of the mandatory release was part of the prison construction bill from the governor,
1: which is what representative Brown from mobile was complaining about that. he did (laughs) It was a
0: governor's bill. You got to read it. Um, but, um, I don't have a timeline. I would love to see them built yesterday. Uh, because again, my job is not to concern myself with prison overcrowding. Mm. It is to seek justice. I raised my right hand August 17th of 2015 and I took an oath and I'm trying to carry out that oath, but the, acts that keep coming before me that i have to adhere to because i have to adhere to the law are flying in the face of what
1: i'm trying to do every day so if we had the first tranche of releases uh, what's the schedule are they is it like is it like every quarter every month I every week what are we looking at here in i the think future? they either have it weekly or monthly so, um, so weekly or monthly, we're going to see continued releases. Well, you would have B. to
0: if you think about it. I mean, the pipeline has begun. So yeah. once once you see the, either the 10, uh, 10 years or more, less than 10 years, once that began January 31, then there's going to be sentences that fall almost daily. But uh, you know, as far as their release schedule, that's just it. I mean, pardons and paroles and DOC have the entire control over that. So we don't know.
1: We don't know, but do they notify you? I mean, aside from victim notification, do you get a call saying, hey, these are coming back?
0: Um, we got a we got some correspondence. Some. <laughs> we got some correspondence. But you be careful they're... with your terms on this show. <laughs> <laughs> we got some correspondence because they were uh, we were assisting and our office was already reaching out to victims the moment we found out about this. Mm. And so we were assisting in providing some victim information.
1: All right. Well, Listen, man, I can't tell you much. I appreciate you being here today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And uh, let's do it again sometime because I imagine this is not going to be the end of the story. It's not. Uh, <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> I just, uh, well, you know, every day we turn around, but I, 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 still look, I still look back at that conversation with Sue Bell Cobb. What are you going to do about prison overcrowding? And I said, what are you going to do about my constituents who want to know why I'm being weak on crime if I pass your bill? That's right. Um Well, anyway, Jody, appreciate you and all your ADAs. You got a crew over there doing God's work. We uh, we have an amazing
0: office. I couldn't be more proud of
1: them. You do, and uh, I would say the same is probably true around the state. But um, anyway, thanks for your time. Thanks for what you do, the state of Alabama. Thank you. All right, all right, Boomer. We got a break coming up. I know in moments and seconds, and we're going to switch gears when we get back, folks. Uh, We're literally looking at uh, probably one of our better segments of the week: adventures in woke world. I got a plethora a buffet, a cornucopia, if you will, of wokeness that you're just going to either want to throw something at the radio, roll your eyes, or laugh. We'll see. Anyway, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.